0: Sometimes Michael Weston reminds me of Bugs Bunny. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy.
1: My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spicy meatball.
0: And this is Burn Noticed. A weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy recently disavowed by the U.S. government who uses his special ops training to help others in trouble.
1: Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice.
0: If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end where we'll explain them again. And remember, spoilers are coming up, so either watch the episodes along with us or shut up. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast.com. At gmail.com. It's burn noticed with a D. Or on our Twitter at at burnnoticedpod. Speaking of <laughs> the criticism... The criticism that
1: we said we will not accept.
0: Let's talk about it. This is the first episode that we've recorded since we have gone live.
1: Yeah, so the first episode is officially up. Only one episode is up so far. Yeah. And um, I think it's safe to say that we were pretty critical of the old pilot. Yeah,
0: we were. Burn
1: notice, And uh, it's also safe to say that some, some of the internet... Isn't, like, thrilled that we decided that we didn't like an objectively bad episode of television, despite the fact that both of us acknowledge that we do like the show overall and are excited to keep watching?
0: I will be, like, I will be fair. Like, I clearly like Burn Notice less.
1: Sure. But also, I felt like my genuine passion would, you know, carry us forward.
0: You were pulling up the actual Reddit thread, and I feel like this is a mistake.
1: Well, so here... So, the one thing that I will say is that we're still 77% upvoted, which is pretty good. Like, Like, nine people who are not me have decided that, yeah, let's let's promote this a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, like, let's talk about how we feel about, like, this show and, like, criticism. Because I think you can like a show and still criticize it.
1: I think that it's sort of silly to think that the only way you can like a show is to not criticize it. And I think that that, especially in fandom, which we're kind of veering into, which I was not expecting, cause I did not expect there to be a burn notice fandom, uh, decade after the show came out. Um, but like, there is this sort of sensibility in fandom of anything of any media property that in order to truly be a fan, you cannot criticize. You either love it or get the fuck out of here. And I think that that really undercuts your ability to live in the world. Because, like, I don't like anything without criticisms. I don't like you without criticisms. To be honest, I mostly have criticisms for you, Chris Terry, the person I work with more than anyone else in the world.
0: But... And I, me also.
1: (laughs) But yeah, like, I I don't know. I... uh... I don't care that people don't like the podcast. However, I do worry that the reason that people don't like the podcast is because we deign to be critical of a piece of media that has not aged super well in certain respects and also was not the best that that show could offer. I think that media is worth criticizing and most people wouldn't even bother to do a Burn Notice podcast at all, let alone a podcast that takes the show seriously. And I think that, Because we are criticizing it, we are taking it seriously, more seriously than most people would give it credit for. People critique The West Wing and Gilmore Girls and and uh, Breaking Bad and all of these, like, big prestige shows. And they're not just like, this episode was perfect in all these ways, the end of the podcast. Like, those shows are, you know, complex and interesting. And when they don't do something right, people take them to task. But that doesn't mean that they enjoy those shows less. And I think that Notice* should be getting the same treatment.
0: And I think you don't have to be a good show to get that kind of treatment.
1: And I, I think... think Burn Notice is a masterpiece and I will hear no other words about it except for all the words in the rest of this podcast that we're doing. I will say, I understand that fandom instinct, though. I think when we
0: like something, uh, that kind of just becomes like a part of our identity a bit. Mm-hmm. And I sort of get that sense of like, oh, if they're saying bad things about this thing, maybe... I should feel bad for liking it. Like I, it, it, it's it feels personal and sure, yeah, it they, feels like
1: a personal attack. You're not just attacking a piece of media that you enjoyed ten years ago. You're attacking like a central part of the way somebody identifies. They identify as a burn notice fan. So if somebody says that burn notice isn't perfect or is kind of bad in some ways, mm-hmm. then that means that they, as a person, are bad in some ways. Yeah,
0: or they're like dumb for liking it. Yes. And that is not what we are saying at no. all. No,
1: I mean, I'm I like it, and I'm only a little bit dumb, but for other reasons. Yeah, so totally. very Yeah, the reasons that I'm dumb are not because I like burn notice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a foolish person. You really are.
0: Alright, that feels like an intro. Let's get to the episode.
1: Yeah, so what's this episode, Chris?
0: This episode, Unpaid Debts, a millennial anthem.
1: <laughs>
0: aired on August second, two thousand seven. It was written by Nick Feel, who went on to write for shows like White Collar, Proof. Elementary, and he also wrote two episodes of a show called Shades of Blue, including an episode of that show that is also called Unpaid Debts.
1: That was a really interesting thing. Also, like, I thought I recognized his name, but since this was your episode to recap, I was like, I'm sure Chris will tell me who this is. And now it makes total sense, because I'm also a big fan of White Collar and Elementary, so I'm sure I've seen his name before.
0: You probably have. Whenever I see that last name, I think of Peter Thiel, the awful person.
1: Oh, yeah, that's maybe what I was thinking of. Who's Peter Thiel?
0: He is, like, a very rich... Person who's friends with Donald Trump. And uh, he's the one who brought down Gawker. Uh, that guy.
1: For the Hulk Hogan thing? Yes. Hmm. I'm related to him. Uh, Hol- Hulk Hogan?
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's what this podcast <laughs> is have, about like, now. He, yeah, we have
1: like a great-great-grandmother in common. Oh my god. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. And it was directed by um, a guy named Paul Houlahan.
1: or Is it Houlihan?
0: I've never seen
1: I, him. I will refuse to call him anything other than Houlihan.
0: Houlihan, yeah. He's directed like every like, basic cable procedural ever. Including doing, like, the hat trick, the double-double in 2014 of Franklin and Bash and a Rizzoli and Isles. Mm. Uh, According to IMDb, the plot summary of this episode is as follows. Michael helps out an old SEAL buddy of Sam's who has gotten himself on the wrong side of a smuggler while trying to repossess his boat, and a new agent hits town set on making Michael's life miserable since he won't give up on finding his burn notice. So, at the top of this episode... Michael and Fee are going through Michael's place because Michael's new surveillance people have definitely been there. They've been looking around. Mm-hmm, that like,
1: was like the cliffhanger at the end of the last episode. Is like, yeah, there's a new sheriff in town.
0: A, yeah, there is, as he says later, a new man in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so they're trying to, like, I guess look for bugs or something and figure out what is going on, like, in Michael's place now that the new people have been there. And I do really like... Another thing I like about this episode is I do think, like, uh, our friend Houlihan mm-hmm. is having a lot of fun with a lot of the shots. Like, I think, like, uh, there's a lot of, like, really kind of fun angles in this scene and a couple later scenes, like, um, where you really get the sense that he just, like, wanted to try stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, it seems like they're overall, like, finally starting to free people from the strict style guide that has been laid out, yeah. clearly. And they're allowed to have a little bit more fun and freedom with, like, how to put together a sequence.
0: Yeah. Which is
1: nice, because it's better now.
0: Yeah, it's better now. It, like, looks good. And that's good. It's good when things look good.
1: I would agree. To, I would tend to agree with that, yeah. Yeah.
0: Feels good. Feels good. Yeah. At which point, Michael gets a call from his mom, because there are gun guys at her house now. And so, like, he rushes to go to her house. And we do get a little bit of the Burn Notice style guide, where, like, it's just fades of, like, The shots of the car just, like, fading into each other. And the car moves, like, slightly each time. And then going into this sequence, which also, again, I just earlier praised the directing. I do really like the directing in this episode. Mm -hmm. But, like, this scene in particular is not very well shot. It's very chaotic. And it's supposed to be chaotic. It is kind of doing that Born supremacy thing Mm -hmm. of just a lot of shaky cam and making the fight feel chaotic. Because like fights are chaotic mm-hmm. or whatever, and
1: Michael doesn't know what's going on, so he's not going into this with all the information,
0: and so you don't know what's going on. But it's very hard to follow in a way that's not great, and it doesn't make the fight feel kinetic. It just makes it feel confusing. Also, there's a fight. I should explain. Yeah, because he goes and like wails on some gun guys in his house looking for his mom, and then like she comes out with a man. Who, well, she
1: doesn't come out. She is brought out. Wearing at, a bathrobe and looking terrified by at like gun, a new man. Yeah, yeah, at
0: gunpoint. Yeah, no. Um, well, they're gun guys. We know this.
1: Chris. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, and this man, as he says, is the new man in Michael's life. He is the new FBI surveillance. He is the new antagonist for now. Mm-hmm. The next big bad. The medium bad.
1: Yeah, because, like, the FBI guys were never the bad guys. Yeah. Like, outside of, like, t- like, getting rid of his tail once or twice in the first two episodes, like... I would never consider the FBI antagonists. I would consider them more a catalyst for the sort of minor strife within the team where because Sam is directly reporting to them and they're always around, it gives Fiona a reason to be mad at Sam for a few episodes. But literally, like, as soon as this episode starts, Fiona is not mad at Sam, like, at all anymore. No. Maybe it'll come back in a couple of episodes, but, like, as soon as the FBI guys are gone and Sam no longer is, like, directly snitching, mm. Fiona's fine with him. Yeah. They're, like, they're pals.
0: They're, de- they're pals now. And he explains, basically... Uh, Michael needs to cool it with trying to find out about his burn notice, cool it with trying to get unburned and just live his life or bad things are going to happen. So that's it. That's how we open this episode. And it's,
1: I mean, another good high energy cold open. Like as soon as the cold open happened, like I forgot a lot of the plot of this episode, like from the last time I watched this this show. Uh, But I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like I knew once mystery man showed up it would get a little bit more exciting uh and mr mystery man is also a participant in one of my favorite episodes of all time which is in season two uh but i was genuinely like pumped to get into this episode
0: yeah because here he is
1: i will say for someone who like works on the legit side and is like michael's a bad boy he should not be allowed to like do anything this is kind of a fucked up way to introduce yourself like hi i'm gonna terrorize your mom and hold her at gunpoint even though i work for the good guys i mean
0: like, that's sort of how, like, the government works. It's, like, they, the state has a monopoly on violence. It's okay when the state does it, but it's not okay when, like, citizens do it or anyone mm-hmm. else. Um, but, yes. Um, so, and that's sort of, basically what I'm saying is Byrne noticed is sort of like an like a anti-capitalist, anti-government anarchist. And a show for women. Yeah, a show
1: for women. (laughs) Burn Notice, a show for women. Burn Notice. Down with capitalism.
0: Down with capitalism. (laughs) Down with the patriarchy. Down with capitalism. Burn Notice. Let's look at some butts.
1: Hell yeah. Uh, Speaking of butts.
0: (sighs) Oh, God. Um, So, yeah, we go from that scene to uh, Michael, like, telling Sam about the scene at a pool? At a pool that is, of course, just full of women in bikinis. There's so many women in bikinis in this, like, scene. There is a shot in this scene where, like, it's, like, shot from the pool. Like, from,
1: a, kind of a voyeuristic kind of shot. Like, yeah. like somebody's watching them from afar. Exactly.
0: And then, like, a woman in a bikini comes out of the pool to sit down in the foreground. She is in the foreground of the shot. Like, Sam and Michael are walking in the background. Like, she gets in their way. It's actually a nice shot. I do think it's, like, a really fun, like, they're definitely having fun with, like, the foreground and the background and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, here, here's this one in a bikini. This is what you want. Okay. Michael explains to Sam what happened with the guy and asks Sam to look into who he is. And uh, meanwhile, Sam has a case, which is good because Michael needs money.
1: To, to repair his mom's house is basically the thing he Exactly. Said, which I appreciate on behalf of Michael Weston, like taking one for the team and being like, this was my fault, mom. I'm not going to just like leave you with the bill. Cause I don't think that at any point other than like, you know, helping her out of dire straits, he has ever expressed interest in like recouping her for like property damage or like helping her out. It just seems like she is there when he needs her her and for no other times. And I appreciated that he was like, I need to make some money to pay for repairs for my mom's house. That just seems sweet to me.
0: That is, it does hit on a thing that is weird for me a lot in TV. Wherein you'll have a character that like something bad happens to them, and thus they need money like it's always the thing of like if you want to show like a character is maybe not super well off, it's like, "Oh, my car's broken down, I need money, but like people need money all the time like it's there doesn't need to be a specific reason why Michael needs money as far as I can tell, this is his job. Like, he's a freelancer. He needs jobs to eat. He's got to pay for the yogurt somehow. Yeah,
1: well, and that is the thing about Burn Notice in general, especially in, like, the first two seasons, is Michael is always, like, so, like, oh, I don't really want to take this job this time. And it's like, Michael, you have literally no other income. So, like, who are you to be, like, poo-pooing specific job opportunities that come your way? Like, he's so resistant so often. But then he's also like, why don't I have any money? Why do I live in a shitty apartment? It's like, Michael, because you don't work
0: yeah and, and it's so confusing but then I feel like that's a thing and maybe that's just like a that's like television writer privilege of like you went to school at Harvard and like can only imagine people needing money in, in like, like emergency emergency crisis scenario and not just you need money to survive that's a thing Um, so it's, it's always weird to me that where Michael's like, oh, I'm going to need money for this gig, like money for something that I'm doing. That's why I got to take this job as opposed to just, I don't want to die.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, so he decides to take this job from an old Navy SEAL buddy of Sam's. Yeah. And so instead of Bikini Women... We cut to alligators, because we're going to the Everglades.
1: Hell yeah. Oh, remember, we also meet Veronica, Sam's new lady. Oh, yes. and She she is like a named character in multiple episodes. So I this is to, true. I well, wanted to shout. Because remember at the end of last episode, Sam, the, the FBI guys like pay for his lunch but give him too much money and he's very excited. And then there's like a woman at a table next to him and he's like, hey, baby, you want to keep me company? And yeah. that's her. Exactly. Sam successfully found a new lady and is no longer staying at Michael's apartment, which has apparently been a thing for a couple of episodes, even though he hasn't mentioned it or brought it up. But he, he's moved out of the, of the loft and he's living with a new lady and her name is Veronica.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is the first time, other than that one episode, that we get to see her.
1: Yeah, we get to see them interacting, like, oh, new lady.
0: Yes. So, but after that scene, we get this fun scene of uh, Michael being surveilled by the FBI.
1: Uh, and he's doing spy stuff in the dark again.
0: He's doing, he loves doing spy stuff in the, I can't complain about that, because I love doing things in the dark. I like, I do not like well-lit rooms. He explains that if someone's surveilling you and you talk on the phone, they have to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So he is just, like, calling up random people and having, like, 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 phone conversations, like, with, like, He's
1: just saying cryptic things and, like, reading random phrases from magazines so that it sounds sort of coded and they have to, like, try and figure out his bullshit.
0: Exactly. And, like, one time, though, he just calls, like, not, like, a helpline or something. Like, he's trying to buy something over the phone or something and they have to listen to that. Uh, And that's very fun. And, of course, all of this is on a 2007 nokia brick phone i i love phone spotting on this show like i love
1: looking at dates it so aggressively and like the thing is is that like by 2007 i'm pretty sure quite a few people had smartphones i
0: don't know if that's i got mine
1: in uh well my parents got theirs in 2008
0: uh maybe 2008 when did the first iphone come out
1: I don't know. I guess somebody on a different podcast will have to answer that for us.
0: That's true. I won't. I won't answer it. I won't look it up. Uh, if only someone can answer that question. If
1: only there was a an after show to this podcast. Wouldn't that be
0: great if there was an after or an
1: show of that podcast? Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, but there's not.
1: Just thoughts. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's just yeah, just thought bubbles.
1: Mm-hmm. But now we finally get to the alligator shot. In now we al-
0: yes. Now we got alligators instead of boobs. I do. Do alligators have boobs? I don't know. Are
1: they alligators or crocodiles?
0: They're alligators. It's the Everglades. I think I think Everglades is alligator country. They go to meet Sam's buddy, Virgil. The,
1: the, the SEAL buddy who needs a job.
0: Yes. Well, he has a job. Well,
1: he has a job. He needs he, help. He needs a job done.
0: He needs a job. He needs a he needs a job, if you know what I'm saying. Gross. <laughs> he needs to get jerked off. Uh, oh.
1: <laughs> got it.
0: He is a repo man. He used to be a SEAL. He's now a repo man. He was given a job. To go repo a boat from some Jamaicans. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it didn't go well. They beat the shit out of him. And he needs to do this job though. So he just needs Sam and Michael to do this for him because he can't do it anymore.
1: They basically, he just needs some little extra muscle.
0: Exactly. That's all he needs. It's a little muscle for his job. Mm -hmm. Michael's really reticent about it. But Sam's like, come on, you gotta do this. And again, to the point of Sam and Fee being on the same page now, he volunteers Fee. He's like, no, we can get Fee in. It's the whole thing. We can do it. Sam is very into it. Because Virgil's his buddy. So we go to the next scene, and the man with no name, Mm -hmm. the secret agent who...
1: He who should not be named.
0: He he who should not be named, shows up at Michael's place, and tows the charger. (gasps) This is the most this car has moved (laughs) ever.
1: like three episodes yeah
0: um, and he also takes away his phone service I, sort of <laughs> nice. in reta- retaliation for all the phone bullshit earlier <laughs> um, and without a, without a car that doesn't work and without the use of his brick phone Michael decides he definitely needs to take the job
1: yeah which he uh, alerts Sam of by calling him on a different phone. So exactly. I guess not all the phone service got shut down.
0: I'm very confused by that. I don't know, actually.
1: <laughs> I think it was a home phone line, maybe? No, it was a cell phone. You're right. I, I don't, don't know. I you know. It, I mean, he's got lots of burner phones. I'm sure Michael Weston's on the level.
0: I mean, he is Burn Notice. He
1: is Burn Notice. He, he is,
0: is Bernard Notice PhD.
1: <laughs> I will say, like, this, this scene happening so quickly, like, basically, there being a response to Michael's bullshit so quickly is what makes me really like the man with no name, like as a character on this show, I think he adds a much needed, like Michael has been outsmarting everyone at this point, And he's just been like getting closer and closer to finding out what happened to him. But man with no name is like not letting him get away with his normal tomfoolery. Like Michael's going to have to work harder. And I appreciate that that's something that we've introduced.
0: Yeah, no, agreed. It definitely feels like an escalation. Mm-hmm. Like
1: that we desperately need. Yeah.
0: He actually has an antagonist now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it helps amazingly yeah um and like the actor's good Mm -hmm. like uh, they have
1: a really fun like little chemistry the two of these boys
0: they do it is sort of a thing where like the way that they're written like every scene between them is them trying to be like snarkily nonchalant more than the other one exactly um and it's a very weird thing of just be like oh yeah like oh, sorry. I, sorry, if you don't mind, I just walked in. It's like, oh, it's fine. I like to keep the door open. Ah, oh, I turned up the air con- conditioner. I thought it was a little hot in here. Like this, all this sort of like, really... Everyone's
1: having a good time. Everyone's, having, on... a good,
0: everyone's having a good time. We'll just like casually whip our dicks out, see which one's bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought it'd be a fun thing to do.
1: I will say, for the most part, for the, through these two episodes, uh, Nan with No Name has the upper hand, which I also really like. Yeah. Is that like... The fact that Michael, despite his better judgment, has fully, like, formed a lot of connections. And so, like, there's a lot to threaten Michael Weston with, you know. He's not some spy with no attachments, you know. No. He has fully failed that part of, like, being a spy. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's made himself extremely vulnerable. And this dude knows how to, like, pick at him. And it's, I like it.
0: No, it's very good. All right. So, Michael, Fee, and Sam, like, go to watch the owners of the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn that the guy who owns the boat is named Andre. Um, and so they're watching him from afar and Michael decides that he is going to be an employee of Virgil's, which he is. Mm -hmm. It's not even a lie, really. Sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, he's going to be an employee of Virgil's named Homer. Great name. Homer is a guy who works for Virgil, Mm -hmm. wears a trucker hat. And has dirt on his shirt. Mm-hmm. Like Michael, like bends down and grabs dirt off the ground and rubs it on his shirt because he's Homer, like kind of country bumpkin.
1: And honestly, like when he puts the dirt on him, did, did you see the look Fiona gives him? Like she gets fully hard. She just, like nips out dicks out. Fiona's into this. This she dude.
0: She is into. I love the way like he says it too. He's like, I think I'm gonna be, and he puts on the accent, Homer. Which <laughs> it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> It took me, like, two-thirds of this episode to be like, there's a guy named Virgil and there's a guy named Homer. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's, like, classical epic. Like, Homer is, like, the Iliad and the Odyssey, Mm -hmm. and Virgil wrote the Aeneid. And I don't know why that's here. (laughs) I don't know why that's a thing. Like, it doesn't really, like, impact anything. I almost wish that, like, instead of Andre... Like, the guy was named Dante, because, like, that's another, like, epic poet. Like, it seems like there should be something there, but there's not. But they're there. Here's Virgil. Here's Homer. <laughs> um, And, yeah, and so they have Sam call the police to get some cops there mm-hmm. um, so that no one starts shooting. That's their... Um, yeah, because their
1: whole thing is they, they're just supposed to get a, a boat from some people who have been violent in the past.
0: And give it to some other people. Yeah. Who, spoiler, will be violent in the future. Fee and Michael as Homer. Uh, Fee, I don't think gets a name.
1: Yeah, Fee doesn't usually get a name for her aliases. No. She's just hot girl who's also there.
0: Exactly. I mean to be fair, most hot girls who are also there do not get a name on birth.
1: Seth Yeah, well. hmm
0: Homer goes up and says that I got he's gotta buy this boat and a, and his amazing accent.
1: he's hmm His incredible like, Southern Twain.
0: He's, yeah, he's like a sort of idiot savant, Homer, this character. Mm -hmm. I would watch a show just about Homer. And Jeffrey Donovan really commits to it. It's really good. But I like the idea of this version, like a show about this guy who is like, who seems like a bumpkin, but is actually like kind of a genius. Since the cops are there, Andre can't shoot them. And so they take the boat Mm -hmm. and they take the boat and then we get like, A surprisingly long sequence of just Michael and Fee just riding the boat. Just, like, crossfaded.
1: I I like to imagine that it's because, like, renting a boat and actually having it on the water probably took, like, a permit and, like, a a couple extra, like, things that they need for protection. They're like, we're not just going to do one shot of this. Like, if we're going to fucking spend the money on this damn boat, we're going to get as many glamour shots of Homer and his lady radden the waves
0: of the lake of the everglades of
1: the everglades the waves of the everglades
0: um and yeah so just like we got this montage of shots it's almost like someone's like vacation slideshow <laughs> kind of and it's they funny look too great. and it's funny too because it doesn't seem like they're going very far either that is a thing about burn notice is montages of people in a vehicle moving like 500 feet
1: Yeah, it's very confusing. They're just like, this needs to be jassier. Let's add 18 more shots. Exactly. Okay.
0: And so they uh, take the boat.
1: And they basically take it straight to the guys that they're repoing it
0: Exactly, yeah, because Virgil was working for some other guys. They get very nervous that Homer is not Virgil. Mm -hmm. Like anyone in a high school English class when they realize they have done the wrong book report. (laughs) Uh, And the moment that Homer mentions... I'm only going to call him Homer. Yeah. When, no. Once he is in character as Homer. He I mean, you is... got mad
1: at me for calling Steve Remington, Steve Remington every time, but now Homer, it's fine with.
0: Because Homer is a character. Steve Remington is is a good, name. Is a name. <laughs> Homer is Homer.
1: Homer is a lifestyle.
0: Homer is a lifestyle. And so yeah, the um, these guys who are getting the boat get very upset that Virgil's not there. And then when Homer mentions that he has a team outside. They get very upset and then pull out guns.
1: Well, first Michael notices, or Homer notices, excuse me. I'm sorry, Homer. Homer notices that there's like some stuff rigged up to explosives. And yeah, yeah. where Like he goes into the warehouse alone. Is like kind of just like chattering, looking around, notices some sketchy stuff and then continues chattering. They get very irritated and pull guns on him.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah. And so they just like book it out of there taking the boat with them Mm -hmm. uh we also learned that
1: well michael like set something on fire didn't he
0: yeah yeah he like knocks some like he knocks some like gas over when they set the place on fire run out like take the boat with them um the leader of these guys who will very in the next scene learn are dirty cops yeah is named mason yes also not an epic poet and i'm very disappointed um if you're gonna start a thing finish it burn notice
1: so, now, so we basically now set up a situation where Homer and Virgil are uh, realizing that they've been put in a situation between Andre and Mason that they did not expect.
0: Exactly. Because, yeah, uh, Michael explains to Virgil that, like, these guys were going to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that they're dirty cops um, and they wanted this boat for some reason that's more than just, We like, wanted the boat. Exactly. Um... <laughs> And Virgil explains, I think, that he kind of knew about it, but, like, they had been threatening his daughter. Um, they're always, it's always, like, an old white guy whose daughter either has been kidnapped or is going to be kidnapped mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, It's never, like, a guy whose son has been kidnapped.
1: No. I mean, I think that happens eventually, but it takes him a while.
0: This is also a scene that I like a lot, I think it, in terms of how it's shot. Like, it opens with, like, um, Fee's reflection in, like, the truck. And then, like, and then it, like, pans off to, like, Fee and, like, she's walking towards the camera and we follow Fee, like, and she's got, like, a gun slung on her back. And then, like, most of the scene with, like, uh, Michael, Sam, and Virgil is done, like, kind of, like, flat with, like the water and then, like, the city of Miami skyline in the background. And just, like, the camera just pushes in and out. There's one point where, like, they're in a two-shot and the camera pulls back as Michael walks away from the the two of them. And just, like, the way that it goes in and out a lot is really cool. The way that it, like, follows them, like, pans horizontally along, like, the the beach or whatever and keeps the um, skyline in the background is really cool. Just, it's a really like, well-shot sequence, mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, in the scene, like, Michael is like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Michael is so reluctant to do this job. Um,
1: well, I think that what we're supposed to infer from that is that he knows something stinky is happening, and no people aren't giving him all of the information, and that, like, frustrates him, because as an intelligent officer, you want to, like, go into every situation as fully cocked as possible, and he's only at, like, half-mast here.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And
1: so I think that's the implication, but it does kind of just come across as, like, well, I don't want to do this job, even though I need the money really badly and have nothing better going on. And you've
0: already like <laughs> done half of the job. Yeah, exactly. And then so Sam and then Sam explains to Michael how like um he really owes Virgil because Sam had done some like shitty stuff in Germany or something. It's really
1: yeah, they, vague.
0: It's super vague.
1: Something in his past Virgil exactly. helped him out with, so he, he owes him.
0: Exactly. Um Sam is very gung ho gung ho about Virgil in this episode. And so Michael decides that it's fine. They'll do the rest of this, so they gotta stash Virgil somewhere. So they stash him, the place that they stash everyone, Mm -hmm. Madeline's house. Because
1: otherwise Madeline would not be in this episode.
0: Yes. Cut to Madeline's house, where uh, Virgil and Madeline are, like, talking at the kitchen table and bonding over the fact that they're both old white people. Michael directs Sam to figure out what's going on with this boat. It can't just be a boat. It's not even that nice of a boat. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. There might be something, like stuck in there or something but Michael and Fee have to get back to Michael's apartment because they've been away too long and they don't want the FBI to get suspicious Um, so we cut to this really great scene where they have to talk about random stuff while they look around the apartment trying to find the bug that they know is in there Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and they just start, start talking about random stuff and then Fee takes this opportunity where they have to talk about stuff to talk about their relationship and a thing that Michael very much does not want to do. It's sort of implied that part of the reason that he doesn't want to talk about it is that it has something to, that he doesn't want the FBI to know about. Or... I didn't
1: get that. I think because like, he's just like, he, de- he this does... is something he is reticent about, which is their relationship. Yes. He really doesn't want to talk about it. He never wants. He didn't want her to have a key. You yeah. know, he doesn't want to talk about their past. He doesn't want to talk about their history. You know, he doesn't want to get turned on by violence like Fi does. That's like true. The entire show has been set up for to be about, like, he really values her and her contributions. And he's, like, definitely down to flirt. But he also very much does not want to have to have this conversation uh, because of something that we learn in the next episode.
0: Yeah. And they do this, the fun thing where, like, they have to, where they're talking out loud, but also writing things down on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason I was thinking that maybe, like, part of it was, that he didn't want them to hear because he keeps telling her, trying to tell her, no, let's not talk about this on the pen and paper and not saying out loud. Whereas, like, I feel like he could just say out loud, I don't feel like talking about this right now. Can we talk about something else? That's a normal thing that you could say and it wouldn't tip off the FBI.
1: I think it was more just like to underscore, like, no, for real, I don't want it. Like, this isn't just me doing a bit because we have to talk to the FBI. Stop talking about this.
0: And that, that's fair. That's also, like, part of it. It says something, like, basically along the lines of... Um, I left because my cover was blown or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was doing it for you and for me. And like, they have a little heart, uh, heartfelt moment. And they also um, figure out that the bug isn't like a physical bug, but is in fact an optical bug,
1: whatever that means.
0: Oh, well, well, they explained it. It's like um, you shoot a laser at a window and then like the laser detects vibrations in the window. And so like, and those vibrations, of course, are, like, people talking, and so you get what they're talking about. And they're apparently very easy to, like, uh, mess up. All you gotta do is tape a vibrator to a window, which they do.
1: And uh, which they just had ready for them uh, at Michael's apartment. So, yeah. good for you, bud. Good for
0: you. And it's really fun just to see someone tape a vibrator to a window. Yeah. That's not a thing you see And they on...
1: also don't, like, make a big deal about, at it. You know, there's no, like, crass joke. There's no, like, ha-ha, get <laughs> it? It's just, like, we gotta... Vibrate this window. Yeah. Vibrator.
0: Exactly. Um, a very
1: sex positive moment.
0: It really is. Sam uh, calls Michael to come back to Madeline's place because they have found what the dirty cops want. There's $10 million like under the floorboards or whatever. I don't know if this this boat has floorboards. It's got floor something. Yeah. It's got floor Micah. Um, Somewhere
1: quite a bit of money was stashed.
0: $10 million in like, like yellow like... Piss yellow mm-hmm. wrapping paper. Like, it's like translucent, like plastic wrap or something. I guess it's waterproof yeah. or whatever. Yeah, probably. But it makes all of them, it looks gross. And so, like, they have these giant. I
1: mean, it, no one should have that much money, otherwise, they're gross. So this I think true. that, again, indictment on capitalism. Exactly. <laughs> Just the symbolism. It's the symbolism.
0: These rich people are pissing away the money.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, it works on a lot of levels.
0: It does. They come back, we find out that, and one other very important piece of information. Which is that uh, Madeline and Virgil totally did it. Fucked. They bang.
1: Yes, and it's very, like, that That whole runner is extremely funny to me. Yes. Like, good for Madeline. You get yours, girl.
0: Exactly. Because, you know, um, they're both lonely, she explains. And I will say, also some very good acting from Jeffrey Donovan. Mm-hmm. He really sells that he is about to throw up at the idea of his mom having sex with someone. Yeah,
1: he is, like, so, like, viscerally disturbed and it's, Beautiful. It is.
0: It's very is a, good, is a very good episode for Jeffrey Donovan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good episode for everybody, honestly. Oh, yeah. And Michael explains to Virgil that the dirty cops wanted to steal the boat and the money, but couldn't, so they wanted Virgil to do it for him. They were going to shoot Virgil and take the money. Um, so Michael decides to set up a meeting between...
1: Mason and the cops. Ma-
0: yeah. And Homer. Yeah, and so Michael meets these dirty, dirty cops. And wants to set up a deal where, like, if the dirty cops take out the Jamaicans, then they can have the yellow piss money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, just more... I mean, I'll say it so many times, but he, Michael is so good as Homer. Again, just this, like, sort of wise bumpkin.
1: <laughs> Homer is fantastic. Like, every time... He's so captivating, and he's just so much fun. And you can tell Jeffrey Donovan is having, like, a genuinely good time with it. Yeah. I'm... Yeah, no, I'm I'm here for Homer.
0: Meanwhile, uh, Virgil and Sam uh, are trying to get rid of the boat. They're trying to dump it. Um... And so they just, like, dump it, like, on a random field in the Everglades or whatever.
1: Yeah, because that's not going to be suspicious at all. They're just, like, a boat in a field.
0: Um, But the Jamaicans show up because they had put on a second tracker. (gasps) Uh, You always forget about the second tracker. Mm -hmm. And then um, they have to, like, run away from the Jamaicans at the last minute. And, like, they get, like, attacked and shot at. But Madeline is very (laughs) concerned.
1: I mean, they're they're lovers in the nighttime now.
0: (laughs) They are. And so... After this, uh, Michael tells Sam and Virgil that they have to set up this meeting with, uh, like, Andre. Because, like, Mason had given them, like, a time frame. And and so he's like, we got to get it done by this time. And Sam's like, well, they did just shoot at us. So maybe they don't want to talk to us? And he's like, get it done. I'll stall, like, I'll stall them.
1: Wait, why did they need to... I I thought the whole thing was that the cops were supposed to take care of the Jamaicans. And then Michael would give him the money. So why... Do they need to set up a meeting with the Jamaicans
0: so that they know where the Jamaicans are? I think the idea is like,
1: oh, I see what you're saying. So they're basically trying to like get them to a location. Yeah,
0: they need to like get all of these people into the same place and hope they shoot each other. Is basically the idea. Got it. Um, yeah, because like I the cops aren't aren't gonna go out of their way to try to find these guys. Sure. They have to like, like Mason wants them to bring the money and the Jamaicans, and then they'll get rid of both basically. Sure. Um, But in order to do that, uh, like, Virgil and Sam got to get in touch with the Jamaicans. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. So Michael meets with Mason to ask him for more time. Mason agrees, but says that they've arrested Virgil's daughter and might send her to jail, where she will be assaulted. Like, they really hammer this home. Like, jail is already bad. It's this weird thing of, like... You don't need to say, like, oh, she won't last long in jail. Like, jail is bad. Like, if you say, like, we've arrested your daughter. She is going to go to jail. That's fine.
1: Yeah, that's, like, already bad. Yeah, Like, save the assault thing for, like, the next time you need to escalate this problem. Because you can't re-arrest her.
0: Exactly. And so now the stakes have been raised. Uh, Meanwhile, fee that's another thing about having the subplot about, like, the FBI guys or the man with the name. Is that that's always fee's job. Fee's job is always to, like tail the fbi guy like in the b like fee is always tailing the guy in the big the b plot Mm -hmm. so she has tailed the man with no name to a hotel and then michael goes to it and then just makes a makeshift magnet in the hotel so the idea being that when he turns on his lamp like it will wipe his laptop Mm
1: -hmm. because at this point he's just trying to like piss him off enough to learn information about him exactly so michael has become a troll yeah basically like you I knew I had a kinship with him.
0: Meanwhile, that night, um, Madeline and Virgil sneak out like a couple of horny teenagers Mm -hmm. to like a place that's a club and a restaurant.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very weird setup and also does not feel like a place that either of these old people would go naturally. That's the
0: thing, though, because they're trying to recapture their youth. They're old and they're horny and they want to feel like they're young and they're horny. (laughs) That's what you do. And so, like, yeah, they go to this place that's full of young people dancing, but also a hostess shows into a table. It seems like maybe there's, like, table, like tables upstairs for, like, drinks and maybe, I don't know, tapas or something. Sure. And then, like, downstairs there's dancing. Uh, it's unclear. It's very unclear. Maybe it would make sense if I lived in Miami. Maybe that's just the Miami way. That's you,
1: probably very true, actually. Uh,
0: yeah, you drink and you, you eat and you dance. Because that's when you want to dance after you've, like, eaten a full meal.
1: Well, no, not a full meal tapas. We've discussed this.
0: That's fair. But yeah, and so this scene...
1: Is sort of intercut.
0: It's sort of... Well, this one is more intercut. There was, like, earlier when they were dumping the boat, like, they did that thing that they did a couple episodes ago where, like, they were trying to intercut it, but, like, they spent too much time in each scene, so it doesn't actually feel like it's being intercut. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason for it to be intercut. Yeah, cause... intercutting
1: only works if it's, like, really quick sequences and you have, like, multiple of each. You can't just do, like, a full scene, a full scene, and a full scene and be like, it was intercut.
0: Yeah, no. This time, we get some intercutting, but it actually makes sense.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, because it actually matters that these two things are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because while... While Virgil and Madeline are having a fancy date and pretending they're like young, mm-hmm. um, and Virgil is wearing a shirt that belonged to Michael's dad. Yeah. That um, that Madeline's like, you look very nice, and it's a very nice shirt, and it looks like the most generic shirt.
1: Yeah, it's just a shirt, and he's like, I don't normally wear stuff like this, but I'm glad you like it.
0: I don't normally wear shirts,
1: <laughs> but you do because that's the only thing we've seen you in the whole time. Exactly.
0: I don't normally buy clothes from Target. <laughs> So at the same time they're going on their date, Homer is meeting Andre
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, to like negotiate, like negotiate getting them to this place so they can get their money back. Sure. Um, because they, because he explains that they have found the money because obviously the money was not in the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Andre explains that like he has people that he needs to get that money to, and he would die to get that money somewhere because he, like a Lannister, always pays his debts. Here we go again, unpaid debts along with the debts that Sam owes. Virgil, this is the theme of the episode. Mm-hmm. The theme that was so good that he used it twice. Yeah. And then Homer assures him that he'll get his money if they can set up a drop. There's also really swallowing a lot of his words. Mm-hmm. This is a moment where he's just like, I'm reliant. And he's supposed to be, like, relaxed or something, but he's just like, I'm reliant. <laughs> <laughs> While this is going on, Andre's henchmen show up at, uh, at the fancy club restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um... And Virgil immediately sees them, and then like abandons Madeline, says, "No, stay here. I gotta go." Um, but then like gets like attacked and kidnapped, basically at gunpoint by Andre's men, who then call Andre. Andre puts on Virgil on the phone for Homer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and let and letting them know that shit just got real realer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, now both other sides of this. Mexican standoff have leverage on Homer and the gang. The the dirty cops have Virgil's daughter, and the Jamaicans have Virgil.
0: Now back in Madeline's, Michael Fee and Sam are like loading up the money into the truck uh, to give it to the Jamaicans. But Sam is like, "What are we going to do about Virgil's daughter?" And and Michael's like, "Well, what are we going to do about Virgil? Like, we'll figure it, we'll figure it out." And then Michael gets this idea. Well, if we took some of this money, like we could pay for, like a lawyer for Virgil's daughter and they're like they might not miss the money and so they just take some of the money and I feel like
1: they could have taken way more they could
0: have taken way more and like when we find out at the end they did not take a whole lot of money but they could have taken way more and like again Michael's being very like nice about it but even like sometimes i get it like in other episodes michael doesn't take a lot of money because he's taking it from kind of like lower class people who can't afford to spend that much money and so he's like doing them a favor and like no i can't take your money this is like stolen drug crime money
1: that you're about to set on fire
0: exactly (laughs) there's no reason not to take a good amount of this money yeah especially again this seems to be your only source of income michael what are you doing
1: I mean, maybe his thought is that if it—if he doesn't end up setting it on fire, somebody is going to count the money and he doesn't want them coming after him. Like, one bushel being gone is like, you can write that away. But, like, if... A significant portion is gone, then they'll just know that they've stolen from. I him don't and think the they've taken
0: a bushel though, because I feel like when at the well, end, yeah, well,
1: whatever amount, like I think that in that in their mind, like that logically makes sense, is that like if he doesn't think that they're gonna go with the nuclear option, <laughs> that somebody is gonna count the money, and if more than a substantial amount is missing, that they'll just like create new problems. But then the fact that the immediate thing he does is just douse it in gasoline and let it on fire, it's like no one's gonna count this money because it's gone. So exactly. take as much as you want.
0: Meanwhile, uh, Big Bad No Name calls Michael and is, like, pissed that his files got wiped.
1: Finally, Michael has the upper hand.
0: Exactly. And he's angry and he tells Michael to back off. But Michael's not going to back
1: off. No.
0: Michael, Fee, and Sam go to assess the drop area. And then Sam volunteers, like, he's, because he feels so bad about all this because Virgil's his friend. He's like, I'll do it. Virgil's my friend. And they're like, they don't know who you are. They're expecting Homer.
1: (laughs) At this point, Homer's a known entity. Exactly. Everybody wants Homer.
0: Everyone's trying to get a piece of Homer. (laughs) Anything less than Homer is...
1: Unacceptable.
0: Unacceptable. There's this moment in this scene where Michael thanks thanks Fee for helping. And then Fee's like, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it because I promised uh, your mom that Virgil would be sick. Which is very (laughs) nice and sweet. But it's also undercut by the fact that literally everything else that she does is for Michael.
1: (laughs) See, here's what I'm going to disagree with you because I read your notes before this. Is that the other thing that Fee does is stuff for her to for her michael's mom because she's done multiple things for michael's mom at this point and is like constantly conspiring with madeline behind his back just to piss him off and so i think in some ways her doing this is still something that she's doing for michael because she's just like fully inserting herself into like the daughter-in-law sort of role yeah but that's the thing is
0: i feel like they're playing this line like it's uh not everything's about you michael but it is though
1: yeah I mean, I think there's just like some, a little bit of like dramatic irony there. Or maybe yeah. not so dramatic irony because everyone knows what's up, Fee. Yeah. You're not subtle. Subtlety is not one of your skills.
0: Anyway, so the uh, dirty cops and Jamaican show up at the same time. And as we explained, Michael just douses all the piss money and like kerosene or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got like an acetylene torch. Um, they show up and they like freak out because he's like going to like burn the money. He's like, don't come any closer. Like, give me Virgil or I will burn the fuck out of this money. And so they send Virgil, Virgil over, and then um, things go crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, they get Virgil, like, Michael and, like, Fee, like, sh- make a mad dash to their truck with Virgil. Michael throws the acetylene torch. Just, and it flies through the air and, like, lands on the fucking money, and it goes up in flames. The cops start shooting the Jamaicans. It's chaos. <laughs> um, And everything's fine. Yeah. Like it just. How does the
1: daughter get out of jail again? Does it just like because the dirty cops weren't around to push it forward? Everyone was like, "Why is this girl in jail? She yeah. got assaulted here."
0: I. It sounded like yeah. It sounded like the cops got arrested or something.
1: Okay. Like
0: um, like yeah. And so the charges were dropped because it was dirty cops. Sure. Uh, so
1: everything works out just fine.
0: And yeah, and then everyone splits up their very small amount of money.
1: Yeah.
0: But like they could have gotten so much more. There's no reason not to. Yeah. Uh, and like that's what Sam is saying. I should have gotten. We should have taken more money. And Mike is like. No, it's not about the money. It is about the money, you know. It's it's what makes him a noble monk warrior or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and Michael says that there's it. Things are still kind of like dicey for Virgil, and that he should get out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Virgil's like, "Are you sure you're not just saying that so I'll stay away from your sweet mama?" Yuck. <laughs>
1: yes, I can see why him and Sam are friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Michael gives him a very like terse look
0: yeah and sam's like don't push it <laughs> um meanwhile sam also explains that he called some fbi people and got the charger back so that's fine
1: now too <laughs> i'm glad we settled that yeah we thank still god have the charger's back
0: the charger is back and will continue to not run mm-hmm. um and then at the end of the we end the episode with michael uh finding the man with no name to get and to antagonize him and get information out of him. And as they're having another dick-swinging contest, uh, Fee... This time in public. In public, um, Fee pickpockets him. And we find out that his name is Agent Jason Bly. ba da ba 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 That's how you burn notice. Yeah, and
1: that's how you burn notice. And that was this episode.
0: All right, let's talk about some spy tips. Yeah. I feel like this episode, spy tips, started out really strong... And then way petered out. Yeah. I was I, I was watching a thing and like, no, this is actually a good episode for spy tips. And then like, no, it stops. Um, like yeah, the first one's really good. It's like if uh, you sprinkle flour and dago powder on your floor, you'll know if like people have been in your apartment. So like you can okay. like track footsteps and stuff. Um, and that's like that seems kind of useful. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also have. Um, there are two kinds of government surveillance, the kind, ca- the kind designed to watch you and the kind that's just there to make your life difficult.
1: Just that's just an observation. That's
0: just an observation. Um, I would say that that has nothing to do with our practical life, but we're all being surveilled by the government all the time. Anyway. Yeah. And... and that's why this is another like radical anarchist, anti-capitalist screen <laughs> burn notice, which is why we, we can say that this next tip is poss- possibly a useful tip. Um, Which is, you can tie up resources by keeping a bugged phone line open. As long as it's open, they have to keep listening. The longer they're stuck listening, the more you can find out about them. Mm -hmm. And that sort of is useful because the government is surveilling all of us. Yes. Um, Now, four... The police can be useful if you need insurance against people shooting.
1: And I think this is practical because it's like it's a smart thing to like call the cops not on the thing that you're doing, but a thing nearby so that you basically just have a little bit of extra like eyeballs if something goes sour like you like the people are already there.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's like un- this is definitely unintended backup.
0: This is definitely a tip that is good for you if you're white. All right. Next, we have number five. When you're going into a meeting cold with strangers, be extra careful. Keep your eyes open, map your escape, and never ever go as yourself.
1: No fucking shit, Michael Weston.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of times where uh, there's a tip that's just, know your exits. Yeah. And, like, we've already done it. It's it's good wants to know your exits.
1: Exactly. But now Um, it's like, if you don't know your exits at this point, you shouldn't have been a spy in the first place. Exactly.
0: Why are you trying to be a spy? Mm -hmm. Um, Although, I can't totally say no to a tip that tells you to alt, to be more like Homer. <laughs> uh, True. All right. Uh, you can turn an old TV into a bug detector if you know how to do that. Like, they never... They like, they specify that it's an oscilloscope, but they don't actually explain how to make a TV into an os- oscilloscope, which, like... I mean, it's not like it's a bomb. Sure. So, I mean, I guess they don't want to get into the technical of, like, saying, well, first you t- connect this to this. And, but so... But I, mean, it, I mean,
1: it could be practical. It could, if, like. I'll allow it if you want it to be.
0: No, I would say it would be practical if we knew how to do that.
1: Or if we got even one detail other than use an old TV. Exactly. Because, like, I will give, like, a practical tip, sort of rating to tips that are like they give you one or two details but then it's like this is a tv show we don't need all of them but if it feels like there's like more than one step to it like i'll give it to it but this i think was just no. a little too simple for no me. there
0: was no there was no actual step it's like it was just like if you can do this do this
1: yeah um, it's really useful to be able to disable a car exactly
0: <laughs> um an optical bug is a laser that shot out your window and picks up vibrations You can confu- con- You can confuse it with a vibrator, though.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, and you also skipped one. If you're being bugged, you have to keep talking.
0: Yeah. Uh, But I mean, like, that's sort of... I felt like I was being bugged. I don't know. That's kind of... It is kind of obvious. Yeah. I feel like the optical bug thing was educational. Sure. I learned what an optical bug is.
1: That's true. I'll give it to that. Yeah. Because, like, now we know, like, just because... Our, our new oscillator TV thing doesn't pick up any bugs doesn't mean that there's not also an optical bug on it.
0: Exactly. So. I'm curious how often those get used.
1: Yeah. Tape, let's... Everybody... You need we, a clear line of sight. Safety tip from Michael Weston. Tape vibrators to your windows.
0: At all times.
1: That would have made the Stranger Things bunker way more fun. If, like, been. the guy that, like, knows Russian, who's also from Fleabag, just, like, had vibrators on all of his windows and hoppers. Like, what the fuck is this?
0: Uh, Brett Gelman. Shout out to Brett Gelman.
1: Shout out to Brett Gelman.
0: Um, All right. When working on a cover identity, the safest thing is to let the target take the lead.
1: And I thought this was useful.
0: You've uh, highlighted this as a useful tip, and I agree that it was a useful tip when they said it the first time like three episodes ago. This is another tip that we have definitely gotten
1: That's probably true, yeah. That one is when, uh, I think you're thinking of the one where when your cover is blown, let them do the talking so you can see how much of it is blown.
0: No, I feel like even earlier there was like a tip where michael said something along the lines of like a good cover identity lets the other person take the lead like i think that was probably in the one the one with our first cover identity i'm not 100 percent sure i'd have to go back and look at our notes but i know i've heard that before from this show all for right this fair
1: podcast. enough
0: so it it doesn't count um uh, number ten, no intelligence person worth their salt leaves anything in a hotel room. Another yeah, thing, yeah, we've
1: heard this before. That was the thing that happened with Jan. Except exactly, for he, he did happen to find like a receipt or something.
0: So this guy, so like Jason Bly, a little bit better than Jan, the <laughs> the, the hot dog man.
1: Yeah, Jan the hot dog man who died uh, off screen.
0: Exactly, but you definitely can leave a big fucking maggot in their room. To ma- maggot a big, fucking, <laughs> a big. If you left a giant maggot in their room, that will send him as it. a big fucking magnet in their room to mess with their laptop like that's nothing yeah that's that's really useful in this incredibly specific situation yeah number 11 just like doctors are the worst patients special ops are the hardest people to protect that makes sense sense. it's tracks it's nothing it's not nothing it's not useful in my life at all number 12 when something serious is going down show up early to assess the area that's not even spy advice. No. That's nothing. That's me going to a job interview.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to be going on job interview, Sub. If you're in the LA area, hire me. When enough people hate you, sometimes the only move is to stand in the middle and hope they kill each other. I mean, that's true in my life. <laughs> um, but not necessarily a practical or useful uh, spy tip, no. Um, 14. Getting information out of someone who doesn't want to give it is about getting their emotions out of balance. Fear is good. So is anger. Not- I mean,
1: I guess that's kind of practical. It's like the way to get somebody to spill is to, instead of just asking them over and over, just like try to get them off balance.
0: That is true. Um, I do remember another great spy once said that fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. So if that makes sense, that tracks. Sure. Cool. And finally, sometimes getting intelligence is as simple as picking someone's pocket.
1: That's just an observation, Michael. That that's was nothing. Not-
0: Again, it starts off like... Yeah,
1: it starts off really strong.
0: And then just as it, it just peers out in terms of spy advice
1: We did say though at the end of the last episode that we might reevaluate this tip to be about more that w- the practical tips that are presented, are they good ones? Like, do we think that the things that are practical are strong versus like the on balance thing? Because I think we all basically agreed, all me and you basically agreed that like, because an episode is 42 minutes and they can't possibly have like that many practical things over the course of an episode sometimes they just need voiceover yeah like we wanted to maybe reevaluate this rule so how do you feel about that now having gone through this
0: um that makes sense um yeah because like a lot of this just is voiceover there's definitely more voiceover as it goes on that's just passive observations Mm -hmm. Uh, i think i remember saying like we would have to have like a certain number there had to be like a number of them that actually were cool Mm -hmm. like spy tips or something how many do we have in this one
1: uh so there's one let's that see. i didn't highlight and there's uh, one
0: that i said but also there's one that you did highlight that i disagree with fair enough so what so like, even
1: so, so there's four there's
0: four i feel like there should be five
1: i was gonna say five too oh look at us okay so let's uh let's quickly rate this episode uh right. so is this an episode a great episode or a great episode of burn notice so the first criteria for discovering this is uh does michael weston solve the weekly problem with spycraft rather than violence Yeah,
0: I think there's there's definitely, like...
1: There's lots of spycraft in this episode. There's lots of
0: spycraft. And, like, um, he's being... A and B plot. Exactly. There's a lot of spycraft. He's being clever. And, like, he doesn't do... Like, he personally doesn't do violence in the episode. He lets other people do violence. He's very... I don't know why I want to say this. And I don't know where this is coming from. Okay. But sometimes Michael Weston reminds me of Bugs Bunny.
1: (laughs) I can 100% see that. All right. So we have... uh, And no, but...
0: And so I think that that's a very... Having the bad guys all shoot each other feels like a very Bugs Bunny solution
1: <laughs> um just create chaos and let exactly. it take care of itself
0: exactly as Bugs Bunny has said chaos is the latter uh <laughs> and...
1: that was a really good joke
0: so I guess what I'm saying is anytime I feel like Michael Weston is like Bugs Bunny then the it's perfect, perfect.
1: <laughs> great a, a great new sub criteria exactly <laughs> Uh, all right. So number two is um, the practical spy advice. There are at least five pieces of solid practical spy advice in the episode, which we were no. just short of. No. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Um Do better. Number three, Michael Weston debuts or revisits the distinct alias. Hell yes, Homer. Hell, yes. Homer, our boy.
0: I could. I just want all Homer all the time.
1: All Homer all the time. Yes. No. 100 percent. Uh, I don't think we see him again, which is very sad. That's so sad.
0: I was hoping we would.
1: I think we get other bumpkins later on, but, I mean, you always always remember your first. Exactly. Uh, Uh, And then number four is, do we use our uh, our side characters well? So does V get to explode things or use... uh, you know, violence.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, not particularly.
1: No, she. I mean, that there's that one shot of her just sort of like trolling around with like a gun over her shoulders, yeah. which is like very fee. Yeah, like, the fact that fee is sort of like the enforcer, like you know, protector while the boys have a chat.
0: It's a. It's not much.
1: It's not much. Uh, but is Bruce Campbell peak Bruce Campbell? He's got a girlfriend. He's got a buddy that who you know loyalty is everything. The
0: interesting thing is that I feel like in this episode they're both good in this episode, but I feel like they're not good in a way that's like classic, like fun them. So are you
1: gonna are you gonna fail this episode? Or are we gonna say that this very good episode of Burn Notice is not a great episode of Burn Notice?
0: That's true. I mean, like I do like what. Um camel gets to do though and you're right Like and like, and, and
1: like the like the the criteria specifically is called like uh they using well. they're they
0: used do, well. they are used well I'll give you that yes yeah
1: Because I I do think that this is a great Burn Notice episode, and I want to make sure that... No, it
0: totally is. I think this is the... Yeah, you're right.
1: This is probably the best episode
0: of Burn Notice we've had so far. Absolutely.
1: I also... I might even make an argument for this being a great episode of television. Because, like, a great episode of television doesn't have to be the most groundbreaking thing of all time. It just has to be genuinely enjoyable, good writing, good motivations, good overall arc. And I think this episode does that. I think that this is, for Burn Notice, a great episode of television. Um... I had a really good time start to finish, and granted I was drunk for one act while I was watching, but I like the entire time I was engaged, I was on the edge of my seat. There were lots of things going on, but I never felt confused because everyone's motivation seemed really clear. There was a specific antagonist who was outside of the case of the week that felt really concrete and targeted. Like I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was plotted well. I thought all of the characters got a time to shine in like new and unique ways. I
0: think because we don't have a category that is a good episode of Burn Notice, because I do think this is like a very tightly well-done episode, and if we don't have a category that is a good episode of Burn Notice, then, yeah, I'll grant it that. But I'll I'll go to bat for this one being a great episode of television. Yeah, I mean, we
1: had fun. Homer was great. All of the characters had interesting stuff going on. Madeline was great for the little time that she was in the episode.
0: All right. Uh, But yeah,
1: so I think... That this is our first great episode of television as well as being once again a great episode of burn notice
0: all right i feel good about that the first great episode of television (laughs) there ever was
1: i mean but hey six episodes in isn't bad
0: no yeah that's that's very good so that's about it for this episode of uh burn noticed uh i want to thank uh vincent el for our theme song um you can go find out more of vince's music
1: at vincentel.bandcamp.com
0: that is exactly where it is um All right. And then we will see you next week with our, we will see you with our ears. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll see us with your ears. Mm -hmm. We'll never see you. We'll talk. We will talk to each other and you will hear it next week.
1: And remember, we do not accept criticism. So stop sending it to us. Exactly. It has not been accepted. No. Just because we read it and talked about it at great length does not mean that we are accepting it.
0: I have already forgotten it all until next week. I noticed that burn.
1: Nope, we're not doing it. Nope.
0: I noticed it.
1: Nope.